Welcome to Living Water Radio. What adjustments has your church already made during the pandemic? What kinds of further adjustments will we need to make in order to be ready to continue faithful ministry when the pandemic is over and beyond? My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Rev. Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. I mentioned last time that Pfizer had announced that the end phase of the trials for their vaccine had pointed to a 90-plus percent rate of effectiveness and that it could roll out next month. Healthcare professionals, first responders, people in nursing homes, and people over 65 and or with underlying health conditions will get the vaccine first, which will be delivered with two shots three weeks apart. Then everybody else. That's huge, and it's a very hopeful sign. Too hopeful, maybe, as health officials are concerned that this good news will result in a relaxation of the precautions people have been taking and a spike in cases and deaths will result. 10 million people have been infected with the virus in the United States, and 1 million of those were infected in the week prior to last Tuesday. Cases in California are up 42% in the past week, and we are headed into colder, wetter weather and into flu season. I got my flu shot yesterday. Please get yours ASAP. Millions of people got a texted alert a couple of days ago in L.A. County that new cases of the coronavirus were spiking and to ramp up the well-known precautions. The gradual reopenings of public facilities are now going backwards. What does this say about how long we will be staying at home, wearing masks, relying on Zoom, fearing other people, and so on? What implications does this have for the future of the church? What will the new normal likely look like, and how can we adapt for faithful ministry as the body of Christ, the church, in this world, particularly in the L.A. area? I want to share a few thoughts that have been rattling around inside me as a lifelong Lutheran Christian and as a pastor for more than 40 years. I serve on a number of synod leadership boards and committees, and I think about where we are going a lot. Next time, I'm going to reflect on how the means that we use to conduct our ministry, like buildings, seminaries, curriculum, and so on, will change in order to thrive in the new normal for the church. In the following session, part three, I will share what I think are the implications of the needed changes for future development. But today I will focus on the relatively near-term, or short-term, but I like near-term as a phrase for getting near to birth. The changes that will happen either because external circumstances require them or because we are already headed in that direction. Of course, no one knows what will happen after the pandemic but God. We may see an influx of people hungry for community, both new and former members of the church. We may see formerly faithful members not coming back, and the trends we saw before the pandemic continue. All we can do now, however, is to get ready by preparing to be the church God has called and equipped us to be. 
Part 1. Changes in the near term, the first five to seven years after the pandemic. I am optimistic about the presence of the global Christian Church, the faithful proclamation of the gospel, and the creative and empowering presence of the Holy Spirit among Christians of all kinds in the L.A. area. Paul, here in this text, confesses Jesus as the promised Messiah, and Jesus here speaks of this confession for Protestants and as the foundation of the Church, the body of Christ, in Matthew sixteen fifteen through 18 He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I am also quite certain that over the next two podcasts, there will be enough here to make everybody mad. (laughs) Nevertheless, I hope you will hear me out and give serious thought and prayer to what I am suggesting. The changes I propose will need to be done in light of two realities, the fracturing of our church into various self-interest groups that will fight to maintain their current identity and power, and the utter disinterest in many of our churches in doing evangelism in a way that people come to live in faith and our churches grow. Because of the second reality, we focus way too much of our time and attention on the first. That is, because we are not really interested in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ for the world, or in providing the attention, mechanisms, value, and funding to develop first-generation Christians in our increasingly secular society, we focus on social services, being a nice family church, maintaining a chokehold on power locally, and providing entertaining and pandering worship. What kinds of changes will need to be made? The church structure with which I am most familiar uh, that is of my current one, the congregation, then a group of around 10 to 12 congregations called a conference, then a group of around 100 to 120 congregations called a synod, and then the national church expression or denomination. A congregation is served by a pastor, a conference by a dean, a synod by a bishop, and the national expression or denomination by a presiding bishop. First, we will need to ask ourselves, what is the bare minimum of staff needed to accomplish the ministry that we have been called and gifted to do by the Holy Spirit, or maybe I should say that we are willing to do? Second, I think that the church at every level will become a more local and less hierarchical church. I think that synods will become primarily administrative in nature, not pastoral. Pastoral functions will be reserved for the deans. In this regard, and others, the office of dean should be strengthened to include that of applier of resources, and empowered to handle issues brought to them by pastors and congregation leaders, bringing only the issues that they are unable to handle to the appropriate synod staff or, as a last resort, to the bishop. I think that the deans will be drawn from among the larger congregations and or those with a proven track record of receiving and nurturing first-generation Christians in each conference— and, considering their additional responsibilities, should be reimbursed with a nominal stipend from the conference budget. The conference budget will be supported by congregational mission support, particularly if the Synod chooses to rely primarily on endowment funds for its mission, separating and further distancing itself from the congregations. Fourth, as the hierarchy flattens, 
The reduction in synod staff should be accompanied by a reduction in services provided to congregations by the synod. It is not right to expect fewer people to do the same work. Some of those services may be taken over by the conferences. I believe that it will come as no surprise to anyone that lower mission support to the Synod results in lower services from the Synod, especially when it looks like the churchwide expression of the Church is reducing services. This will have to be handled extremely carefully since, as Rev. Robert Schuller said before things fell apart for him, no one invests in a sinking ship. The congregation will be the place where the most transformation will take place, particularly with regard to our current utter disinterest in doing evangelism. Whether our motivation is to encourage others to receive God's gift of faith and so be saved, or whether we believe that everybody will be saved but want to invite people to know the joy of what God has already given them, the imperative is the same, if not the urgency. In addition, I believe that most people understand that the only way to avoid cuts to our budget is to raise revenue. Increased numbers of people coming to Christ and participating in the life of our congregations generally results in increased revenue. These efforts have in the past been dismissed as an unseemly emphasis on bodies and bucks or nickels and noses. Our new realities will need to include a different perspective on evangelism and congregational development and recognize them as basic to our nature as a Christian church, something that nourishes, transforms, and flows naturally from the Christian life like streams of living water, a biblical metaphor for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Next session, we'll look at how the means we use to conduct ministry in the new normal will change. Join us to use do, to do the hard. Next session, we'll look at how the means we use to conduct ministry in the new normal will change. Join us to do the hard work now and be ready for the new normal church. Today, let's remember to pray for those struggling for racial equality and for those who protect and serve. And let us remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders, pray for them, and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. 
Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.